This is Crossover Club. We like Christmas movies, you like them too. But we know the best, and you will love them too. Another classic case of imposed opinions. This is seven films we really like to watch at Christmas. Due to the power of nostalgia, we have grown very fond of them, not including Home Alone, any adaptation of Christmas Carol, or It's a Wonderful Life. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for sticking with us after what five five days of of Christmas. Um, it's been painful. It's been joyful, and and you have been very loyal. If you are still listening to us, <laughs> so thank you, all two listeners. We appreciate you immensely. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Um, and. Do give us suggestions uh, of, of things you'd like us to talk about in the new year. Um, because if you are listening to this, then, you know, you're one of the OGs. You're one of the real fans. So, thank you. <laughs> so, today, Brandon, we are, we are going to be talking about our favourite Christmas films. We've talked about some of the worst that uh, the world has to offer uh, in the form of those questionable netflix films uh that that always pop up this time of year and Mm. are definitely not mass produced so you know we're sick of talking about things we don't like let's talk about more things we do like so brandon if you'd like to kick it off uh with one of one of your favorite christmas films with the caveat of course that we will be talking about home alone a christmas carol and it's a wonderful life which in themselves could be the three greatest Christmas stories ever made. Um, We will be talking about those in future episodes. So those are off the table. So when we say our favourite, it does come with that caveat. (laughs) Yeah, completely. Yeah, for now this episode, you know, because we're super original like that and when we know exactly um, what Hollywood should do because our opinions matter the most. But yes, this (laughs) is undoubtedly the, the... best just christmas films um based on well, unqualified well, opinions a, you know it's a slightly different criteria right so the the day 10 was our like the top 10 christmas songs in our unqualified opinion so that was an objective in our opinion ranking but this one is a subjective in our opinion ranking so i don't know if that delineation helps but uh, I think it's important well, to make nonetheless. Well, I, you know, I just, that's how I look at life. You know, if it's my opinion, it means that that's facts. That's exactly how the world works. Okay. Good I like the. Is bad guys made up words. <laughs> Objective, subjective, made up words. All is relative. And my <laughs> first film. It's the Grinch, obviously. I mean, it's like... Moral relativism at its finest. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so technically, the Grinch isn't a bad guy. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> um, I mean, this... I'm treading um, on controversial grounds here, but um, I can't say that I am a true fan of The Grinch because I haven't actually watched the original series 
um, you know, like the the cartoon. I haven't seen it. But, but does the but does the film How the Grinch Stole Christmas does it stand up on its own? See, I think it does. Well, and, there you go then. And, and hence the entry. So obviously you're perfectly Jim... allowed to like it then. One hundred percent, I agree. Jim Carrey. Well, actually, you can't fully appreciate it because you no, none of that, none of that today. No, it is a comfort film that I have loved since a child. And obviously, we're heading into the whole nostalgia element. And quite frankly, I don't care. It's a lovely <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah. And Jim Carrey is beyond hilarious. Oh, he's, he's great. Like, I I think I've yet to see a film he's in that I haven't enjoyed. Or at least haven't enjoyed his role. That said, yeah. haven't seen Mask yet. I've heard that's a very controversial You haven't one. seen Mask yet? Oh, man. He's like, I was literally about to say that. Is probably my other favorite film. There's Lie, Lie. Oh, well, this is a list in itself. Okay, this is a tangent. Yeah. But, like, yeah, he brings a lot of character to it. And mm. um, this is like the, you know, all those Lord of the Rings memes where it's like, did you know in that scene, Vigo Mortensen actually broke his toe when he kicked the helmet? Yeah. Um, so it's like that. But um, for what I'm about to say right now. Uh, Jim Carrey had to um, go through, I think, was it was it FBI, CIA training to um, basically handle torture methods. What? Yeah, because <laughs> the prosthetics and, and of everything that I had on was supposed to be torture for him. So, like, he was they literally had professionals come in to train him how to endure it. Like, no way. Unreal. Yeah. I, I don't know where I read that, but I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, so, method I mean, just acting. Ha- yeah. Oh, I mean, he's an ultimate method actor, to be fair. But, like, hats off to him, just, just in general. Just his performance, I feel, is enough. But it's just such a rich film. And obviously, like, you know, based on the Dr. Seuss um, story, it is such a charming story that really i think is the most clear um narrative about like christmas spirit and the idea of um christmas not being about the gifts but about being together and love and yeah it's lovely it's a nice neat little package and i think particularly everyone our age like without a doubt grew up with it and cherishes it so this one's a no-brainer um yeah yeah a gem a gem in my bag i mean i think it's a good one as well for how usually the whole cancelling slash stealing christmas uh, i mean first off that happened last year controversial but um it's usually done where the the perspective is from the the festive people rather than the people who are stealing Christmas. So to have a film where the protagonist is the bad guy, really, and then for him to realise the value of Christmas in trying to thwart it. Also, the kind of irony of seeing Christmas as like a literal physical thing that you can somehow... That if you did enough things in the physical world, you could somehow destroy the concept of Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's like... Yeah, so I think it always comes off as a bit uh, forced when it's 
portrayed as like, oh no, the big mean guy is trying to cancel Christmas because capitalism or something, which is the <laughs> usual one. But to have yeah. it where a sympathetic character who's just fed up of everyone being so happy all the time, and then to you know get that more nuanced look at what Christmas really is. Yeah, right. Yeah, classic. Super relatable. Absolute classic. All right, on to yours, Josh. Well, in the vein of Christmas cheer, um, this is one that uh, gets cracked out pretty much every year. Um, Elf. I've uh, And again, like you mentioned with the Grinch, this is one I've been attached to since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, from it was, I think it was probably the first performance of Will Ferrell's that I saw, so I wasn't repulsed yeah. by it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah, exactly. I was just like, he's the elf, you know? And even now, like as an adult, the concept of like what an elf would be like in like cynical 21st century society Hmm. is just great i mean i i've talked about this at length before but i love portrayals of like innocence and faith in in films and so to have someone with this kind of childlike faith and innocence and like belief in santa and stuff and all the shenanigans that occur as a result of that is just great like um yeah I totally from the agree. from the same visionary mind that brought you the Mandalorian, what can I say? Yeah, right. Iron Man. I know. Do you know what? Like I, I, I was just saying to you, Josh, that a, f- a little while ago, watched a Netflix uh, episode. I think it's called "The Movies That Made Us," and there was an episode on Elf. And oh yeah. I think, like all the little facts about that. Firstly, I didn't even know it was directed by John Favreau, which I was already amazed at. Yeah, and it goes under the radar, doesn't it? A lot. I, like, I had absolutely no idea. I was like, <laughs> so whenever we were watching it and it said John Favreau, I'm like, I was sat next to this, but I was like, did you know who he is? She's like, no, you, you should. You should know yeah, who he is. You do know who he is. You just <laughs> don't know that you know who he is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the thing. Um, so, yeah, it was beautiful work. And, like, the guy who wrote it uh, initially based it on... Um, the Rudolph story, the stop motion um, film. So, oh, right. and hence there's a lot of those elements in the beginning. Yeah, um, yeah, which are so random, like it, right, because there's no like there's no context for it. So there's just a scene where like a narwhal and a snowman talk to him. It's like, what what movie is this? Right, yeah, and that that's the cool thing about it. When you've got the context to it, it's like it makes it so much richer because it's like you know, an off poles this super magical place, but th- those elements and even the costumes are purely based intentionally on the Rudolph film um, because that's it was so heavily inspired from that and the story is similar um, and so and also the writer based it on like the idea of the son going to find his father yeah you know that was very much based on his kind of experience so it's beautiful it's one I've had to endure every year <laughs> and I haven't enjoyed it mainly because now I have more of a um, distaste for Will Ferrell's work but with all that in mind I'm like okay this is actually still a pretty good film yeah I mean I, I think it's a lot of credit to the film that and I'm, I'm not like a hater of Will Ferrell no I just, exactly I've just come to realise like the majority of the stuff I've seen him in like first off he plays the same character pretty much all the time yeah. Uh, in fact, you know what? The thing, the thing that cemented the fact that I don't like him as an actor was uh, 
his character in the office. That's what did it for me. I, I totally like, agree. <laughs> Hang on a cotton picking minute. <laughs> oh, I will admit. He's, he's Will Ferrell, but evil. And that made me realize what I didn't like him about him <laughs> in his other roles. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It, and But this is why the, he works so well for this role because of, of Elf. Because he always has that innocence. And it, that works well in this film. Yeah. Where, yeah. like... That, that kind of, oh, I'm really innocent, but I'm doing really loud and stupid stuff. Yeah, it's not as fun in others. But I will admit, that scene in The Office where he does that juggling performance with no juggling balls is absolutely hilarious. I find that both crazy yeah. and, and yeah. funny. And that's that and Elf, I'll give him credit for. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, despite that, you know, revolving the film just around, like, the the actor in itself the the story and the I mean the way it's made is brilliant because John Favreau himself even said he wanted a timeless classic um, yeah, for yeah. this and I'm sure you can agree it feels pretty timeless although it's it's been like almost 20 years <laughs> almost yeah 2003 so yeah <sighs> time goes by yeah so let's get a move on yeah, that's true. Yeah. Come on, what, what's All another right. of your favourite Christmas films? Okay, I like Santa Claus, <laughs> not just the person, but the films. Oh, oh, the Santa Claus, like with an E? Oh, oh yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. The, the, the one Tim, with... Tim Allen, right? Tim Allen, yeah, yeah. the Buzz Lightyear guy. Yeah, yeah, Um <laughs> Love that film. Absolutely unreal. I mean... And to clarify... Three. I love Toy Story and and Santa Claus. I realise I said film singular and didn't specify which one. That's like true. all of them, they're all good. They're all amazing. <laughs> um, three. Uh, so the three Santa Claus films, absolutely adore. I mainly grew up with the second one. I just watched that a lot. Same, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. one I only watched as a kid, though, so I'm scared to watch it as an adult because all I've got are like the nostalgic memories of it that right. are completely disconnected. Yeah. So completely. I'm I'm worried that I'm gonna like rewatch it and all these like fantastical moments as a kid that are like associated with the magic of the fantasy Christmas rather than real Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm worried that all those elements are going to kind of fall apart seeing it for what it is. Yeah, and sadly, as an adult, I can say they do get diminished just a little bit. However... I mean, Nick Cage is in one of them, right? So that kind of diminishes it by itself. I think so. I think he's in the third one. It's something like The Revenge of Jack Frost. No, sorry, the, The Exit Clause or something. No, he's not in it. It's, um... Is it not? It looks like it. Ah, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Nick Cage <laughs> would be amazing at all. <laughs> yeah. I was I just saw the thumbnail on Disney Plus. I'm being completely candid here. I saw it and I was like, that's gotta be Nick Cage, right? <laughs> I mean, he would be he would just be an amazing Santa Claus in general. Yes. Um, I wanna see that film now actually. Me too, actually. I that is a great tangent. I love that. Anyway, Tim Allen, though, he's pretty awesome as Santa Claus as well. Um, I think the, that's the main thing. It, it's got also major nostalgia, as I've said before. But with these, uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that I missed out as a child. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's kind of nice, actually, the whole family stuff. Um, the, the tone of it all, the idea of 
having a wife. There is some like pretty. Uh, I wouldn't. Say, I was going to say cringe. It's not not exactly cringe bits, but like just not practical bits. Like the simple thing. In the second film, you've got like these massive toy soldiers, and yeah, that's right. It, and like I think the whole thing of them having a snowball fight with them and, and all the elves trying to take it down it's it's quite laughable but then i have to humble myself to be like bruh it's a kid's film like there's a reason you haven't watched this in a while uh, yeah so, um just I mean, lovely performance when you mentioned toy soldiers uh the nutcracker live action film that disney did a few years back I haven't um, watched that, but yes. Well, that that features toy soldiers quite prominently, and as a result, it makes the antagonistic force seem quite just bland and also yeah. laughable. I'm not going to say yeah. any more about that. Uh, well, I, the one other thing I will say about the film is it is the only film that when I was watching it in the cinema, I could guess what the twist was going to be before right. the twist happened. I'm still kind of proud of myself for that, but I'm very disappointed in the film for being dumb enough that I could figure out what the twist was going to be. <laughs> right, yeah, fair. Well, the similar thing happens here then. It's just, yeah, it's almost laughable. But, I mean, the things that I always return to is just, they're just so charming, and I've enjoyed the first one more so, the idea of, like, again, it's the human elements to it that really makes us love these films the father and the son mm. relationship the fact that they start out the beginning just i don't know being very disconnected yeah, and yeah. the father not being um good at any sort of family thing and he ends up having redeeming uh, redeeming story in which he becomes santa claus and yeah i mean it's it's a classic tale of not only christmas spirit but like it's a story about santa claus but it's just Beautiful. All three of them, fantastic. Let's move on to yours. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to talk for a bit about I'll Be Home for Christmas, uh, since I will be. Uh, uh, <laughs> we have mentioned this in our Netflix episode, because as we know, there are a lot of Christmas films that like kind of reverse engineer from a song title, where they're like, okay, so if the name of the film is I'll Be Home for Christmas because of the song I'll Be Home for Christmas, what's the plot going to be? Thankfully, this is one that doesn't just use that as a premise and do nothing with it. Like, it actually crafts a very meaningful story around it of this kid who effectively doesn't want to go home for Christmas. Uh, he's at, like, college, um, and he wants to spend the Christmas vacation at the beach with his girlfriend, um, and when his girlfriend cottons onto this plan... She's wanting to go home to her family, so if she's like, screw that, I'm not going to the beach with you, you're a selfish jerk. Um, and that's kind of where we start off within the film, is that he's very selfish, he's burnt a lot of bridges, the people that are closest to him are also being hurt by him. Um, and effectively, his dad offers him the family Porsche if he can make it back home in time for Christmas dinner that's the initial premise and then uh this kid finds himself waking up in the middle of the desert uh with no directions no way home and it's kind of the journey of effectively we're watching like a machiavellian 
master manipulator <laughs> who uh, who always gets his way with people. He he like preys on people's goodwill by creating these like situations that are fabricated. But things like you know, oh, I'm gonna be donating toys to a children's hospital so that he doesn't get pulled. Like when he gets pulled over by a cop, that's an right. excuse that he uses. And then the cop ends up going with him. And it turns out that like he's just escorted a guy who's been carrying stolen goods and like watched as these stolen goods have been given out to all these kids. But it's under the lie that... So yeah, effectively, it's a hitchhiking trip where we shouldn't be sympathizing, empathizing and rooting for the protagonist, but we do. Um, And as this occurs... He slowly kind of... It's a bit cliched in Christmas films, the whole thing of, oh, and then the real joy of Christmas made me change. But it does, and it's kind of wholesome. Like, he sees these expressions of humanity, of connection. He sees a lot of broken relationships that are fixed, uh, where, like, people's... Like, effectively, people he hitchhikes with have had severed connections with their family and loved ones and so that motivates him to want to get back home to see his family um, oh, nice. okay. so there's a yeah it's, it's a very wholesome one um especially considering like it's from that era where disney were just like churning them out kind of like netflix is doing now uh, and right. other like big studios that was the kind of disney channel era Right. So there were a lot of like copy paste plots, mm-hmm. but that's one again. I mean, most of the ones we've mentioned so far are things we've been attached to since we were kids. I think you can pick up on the fact that aesthetic quality isn't always what we're judging here. Uh, hence oh, why I, this is why I suppose, on a more serious note, when we mentioned with the Christmas songs. A lot of it is based on like our connections, our memories of those songs and so on, but to an extent I felt like we could talk about the aesthetic of the songs. With these films, a lot of it is just nostalgia. And yeah. and so we're so blinded by our subjectivity that it's like, you know Well, maybe <laughs> well, yeah. not blinded by it, but we're willing I at least I'm willing to overlook and Brandon you've mentioned some things you've been able to overlook that very much you know aren't aren't so good about these films but of course the magic is still there well that's the thing isn't it it's if it were any other film which we we try and approach whenever we've reviewed films before we try to be objective inevitably of course there's going to be some prejudice but in general we look at it across the board where i think with christmas films because they're in such a context of coziness and family and I, I think as we've already kind of mentioned and hinted at before in previous episodes you know the there's a an atmosphere and a context of Christmas in which like our subjectivity kind of it's inevitable with this kind of thing like I feel when people talk about Christmas films it's barely in reference to a, a genuine objective tape. It's always in reference to the magical, lovely, childlike feelings that you had when you were a kid because that, hmm. as we mentioned with the traditions, it's such yeah, a big part yeah. of our bringing up. You know, it's not just the lights and the decorations and the gifts, but it's all about the, the films and the gathering around it. So 
I feel it'd be silly to make a list like this without authentically and openly uh, disclaiming that it is 100% tied to the fuzzies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's appropriate that a genre of films that is completely focused on that, the the irrational side of humanity, the emotional side, the part that's about connection and relationship. Um, and, you know, it's it's why so many Christmas films now, they're like, they're rom-coms or they're family films. They're about so-and-so who wants to form a meaningful relationship or restore a meaningful relationship or they're fed up of meaningful relationships because they've been hurt by them and then it takes another new meaningful relationship in order for them to become enamored with the idea of meaningful relationships again it, it all i mean you could argue all film boils down to that but that's ignoring the experimental and the cerebral and so on but yeah. um yeah it's it's a huge part of what christmas has become in the cultural consciousness it's a time of sentimentality and so it makes sense that these films are going to be a bit corny a bit cringy at times a, a bit trite maybe yeah for definite but that's what we love about them this time of year <laughs> i wouldn't yeah, say this exactly. last year but definitely no, i i 100 get it um all right well moving on i i did have one film plan but i i changed it because again based pretty much on what we've just said there christmas with the cranks is nice a great film it's a terrible film but it's a great (laughs) film it's like see this is the thing i know a lot of people that hate it and i know a few people that love it me and isabel we personally adore it um and we try and make it um a tradition every year to watch it um, my mother loves it as well um, I think the main reason people don't like it is because the story is predictable, it's literally about a couple whose daughter goes away um, I believe uni um, and I only watched it a few days ago and I can't even remember <laughs> that part it, it mustn't be my favourite Christmas film now. but yeah, she goes off to uh, uni and they don't want to spend Christmas like without her so it's like actually why don't we save money and go on a cruise and basically the whole premise is we're skipping christmas and everyone's absolutely appalled and the neighborhood rebels yeah yeah but then somehow the daughter decides to come uh, back and then they have their annual christmas party and it's about tim allen once again i think tim allen just loves christmas films um a lot of christmas films he's been in so many um but it's about him like reconciling um with the christmas spirit and not about selfish ambitions of going away Mm. and ignoring everyone but serving the community that right there sounds like a lovely storyline it's a little predictable and some there's some like cheap gimmicks in there but the way it's made and the way it's told is just so charming and funny like there's some great um storytelling elements particularly in the way that it's filmed um and like i said i really treasure the whole redeemable narrative and the yeah, idea yeah. Um, of it at the end when um, he gives his tickets to go to the, the cruise. 
he gives it to um, the couple in which he is not friends with the guy at all but him and his sick wife they're across the road having their Christmas dinner and he's like guys I want you to have this cruise go and enjoy yourself so it, you know it's a very I'd say Christian kind of message of like love your enemies and your neighbours mm. quite literally in this case yeah yeah uh, so it's it's a beautiful little film and once again because it's now a tradition um, with me and Isabel I, I have to put it as one of my favourites because nice nostalgia yeah of course um I'm gonna break the pattern actually I'm sorry with the with oh. this next one um oh. this isn't one I'm nostalgic about because I first watched it in my teens hmm. uh, I have since watched it a few times and I very much enjoy it um it's also not really hugely about sentimentality it's more about identity and purpose and that is the nightmare before christmas um in deciding if it's a christmas film or a halloween film i've decided that it's more a christmas film uh, it's got christmas in the title in it so I'm... yeah i mean the the idea is it's set it starts off being set in halloween but most christmas films are set starting like they start off in november or start of december like it's the lead up to christmas rather than christmas itself that i think classes things as a christmas film Mm. Uh, hence die hard being a christmas film as well (laughs) because it takes place in the run-up to christmas so yeah yeah anywho (laughs) nightmare before christmas um in classic tim burton style there is a lot of uh eye candy it's a very oh yeah warped fantastic vision of this other world you know like the the stop motion animation works perfectly for the story um and the aesthetic the music by danny elfman again warped i think is a great word distorted um there's something odd about it but also very relatable i mean there's a there's a great youtube channel called sideways um, mm. And the guy on there, he he knows way more about music than I do. Uh, he's studied it for longer and uh, has done a great analysis on how like the music of the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, uses different types of harmony to refer to different types of characters. Uh, all the people from Christmas Town are very like major scale, very happy go lucky, very uh, yeah like jolly and an unnuanced kind of happiness, like very obvious happiness. Mm. Um, to the point of being accused of being trite kind of thing. Uh, Meanwhile, the people in Halloween Town are all expressed using minor chords. Very mysterious, very scary, very sad. Um, And again, with no nuance. Meanwhile, Jack Skellington and Sally, the kind of love, the, the central couple of the film, and Jack being the protagonist, he doesn't feel at home in either place. And as a result, him and Sally are conveyed using the Phrygian mode, which is like a type of scale, type of harmony. That's sort of in between major and minor. That's the the easiest way I can describe it without being all super duper musical. Uh, so it's kind of in between those two states. And as a result, becomes this kind of nuanced look at... Um, the kind of almost the ideologies represented by Christmas Town and Halloween Town. 
Okay. So the movie kind of promotes this middle ground of uh, existing in a state between like ignorant bliss and total despair. Um, and of course, the the key to the story as well that Jack Skellington he tries to be someone that he's not. He tries to do a job that he's just not designed for in a sense um, and is so blinded by his ambition that he doesn't see the hurt that he's causing people um, mm. a bit like the one we mentioned earlier well I guess a bit like uh, the Grinch in a sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah right um, and a bit like mm. no I think that was the one I think that was the one I wanted to look at no, okay. wait. Oh, yes, that was it. So I'll be home for Christmas. Um, where you've got a central character that like burns a lot of bridges uh, by his actions. Um, and Jack, like every good Christmas character should, he learns from his mistakes and he puts things right. Um, and yeah, it's cool. Beautiful. Yeah, it is a great <laughs> good one. Good film. And no, it's, it, it's short and sweet as well. Like, it's uh, just over an hour and it manages to do all of that. So I think it's a classic case of Tim Burton's narrative efficiency, um, which oh, is the proof much. for me. This is the thing I'll always mention when I talk about Tim Burton. He's not a weird storyteller. He just no. tells stories with a weird coat of paint. Uh, the, the story itself, it. as I say, it's just thank you. Uh, I I I like to talk about Jack Skellington as just being someone who's dissatisfied with his job, so he tries to do someone else's job for that person, and then realizes that he's actually meant to do the first job, and he comes to love his job more by realizing that it's a job only he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously dressed up with the Tim Burton gloss of skewed buildings and funky looking stop motion animation and weird creatures and all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I remember only watching it once when I was younger. Um, but I've, Tim Burton executes that stuff very well, particularly with. I think I used to watch when I when Blockbuster was a thing. I remember being young and renting regularly the cop. Is it the Corpse Bride? Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. And I remember that being like super sad, and even like kind of reflecting on the story now. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, it's a simple yet very in- intense story, mm. relatable story as well. Yeah, but, yeah. Like you said, there it's got that coat of paint of like, yeah, it's weird, it's wacky, but wonderful as well with that yeah so, i think very good pick right well we have one more um film left and we have labeled this josh as the crossover collab recommendation and we <laughs> yeah if we, the if there's one film that crossover collab wants you to watch today right that is this film right now you can, yeah if you have that film with you or access to a streaming service that has that film on it you could watch it right after this episode and then yeah. see how bad our takes are <laughs> it is drum roll I might even put one in in editing no you're suck I'm gonna get a real drum roll here alright it's a power of editing right there yeah Okay, that was a drum roll. Half a Christmas. Hey. 
It's a great film. Easily, I never. Oh, actually, sorry. I was going to say easily the best Sony pic... Sony animation film, but Into the Spider Verse exists. So. Oh yeah. Right. Easily the joint best <laughs> Sony <laughs> animation one. film. Unless they come out with a Christmas version of Spider Verse, but you know. <laughs> Into um, the Christmas Verse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so great like i never thought i would enjoy it so much but it's one of those films that for some reason makes me feel like i'm watching it on christmas eve night like but i think because you're so immersed in the yeah. uh in the story of it and i mean i think we'll probably we're going to both talk about this there's got to be some sort of um enjoyable element about the idea of you know you got the technological modern futuristic element and then it's trying to bring it back to the idea of tradition and and being grounded i like that fundamentally is just what i love so much about this yeah and it's it's good because unlike what we mentioned earlier when talking about the Grinch, unlike that kind of unnuanced discussion where it's like mm. there's one clearly correct side which is the side that has the Christmas spirit and then yeah. one side that is clearly in the wrong. It's like in Arthur Christmas you have two different viewpoints on what the Christmas spirit even is. Yeah. So of course you got Grandpa who's like you know, it's uh, it's about tradition. It's about doing it the way it's always been done. It's about maintaining the uh, the kind of fantasy and the uh, this age-old folktale kind of thing of of Saint Nick um, for the children. You know, whereas of course you got on the other side of that. Well, there's more children than ever before. So in order to give them all that experience of Christmas. Surely it's about efficiency and maintaining the illusion as best as possible that Santa is doing all these things. So yeah, it's quite a nuanced argument and Arthur Christmas uh, being this like wide-eyed, innocent, kind of like Buddy and Elf, uh, he's that kind of yeah, character, right. someone who's just obsessed with Christmas, has grown up with it, and he reaches a stage of disillusionment when he sees these two uh different stances these two different philosophies even around christmas he sees them clash with each other and it breaks his own christmas spirit and he has to understand well form it's uh it's a type of storytelling that is quite effective is the uh synthesis of an argument you get a a thesis statement you get the anti like the antithesis statement um the two clash and form a synthesis, which is a resolution. Um, and so by taking a look at the pros and cons to modernity and traditional Christmas, Arthur's able to kind of find a resolution that's in the middle that manages to tailor to the individual. And that's something, I guess, in terms of the Christian theme of it's about, you know, going after the one that got left behind, the one that missed out. <sighs> Um, you read my mind, man. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's why we recommend it because it's <laughs> it's one of the more overtly Christian themes. Um, it really is. But yeah, like, so I it was... takes that, but then also frames it within a modern context to show that I think because that's the fear, isn't it? That in our vastly urbanizing world, with more and more technology and more and more people, that 
there's no room for a little Santa that cares about us individually anymore. But I think the film tries to show that that kind of cosy Christmas spirit can still exist on a technological level. Very much. Yeah, that's... You absolutely nailed it there. And just also, James McAvoy's performance is just wonderful. And All it, the it performances. <laughs> I mean, All you're right them. there. What well, he has, James McAvoy, Bill Nye, um, Jim Broadbent, yeah, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely like legends in this. Definitely. 100%. And um, hold up. Sorry, I had to look at the cast just because I'm really eager now. There's it's Robbie more... Coltrane and Andy wow. Serkis. In it's there. more British than Love Actually. Right? Not That's as my British. hot take of the day. <laughs> That's true. I love it. I literally love this film. Even more now because I just looked at the cast. Right. So with that, I think with James McAvoy's performance, the simple thing of like, I can't remember the actual direct line, but like... Well, what is she gonna do when she comes downstairs and there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. gift? And I'm like, oh, like it touches your heart, and mm. it really, yeah, it very much tunes in with that idea of, you know, Jesus would go after the one, and and just, oh, it brings so much of that love and joy. Like it puts it in this wonderful Christmas setting, and the animation is brilliant, and I'm very impressed by the rapping of that elf. Yeah, uh, <laughs> three. <laughs> and the, do you know what I never realised just how much of a British classic it is um, but like the fact that you've got it within this wonderful little Christmas film and it, it, it sends such a wonderful message towards real life <laughs> yeah and it's Charming. funny it's great it's just, that's the main thing it's just funny um, I'm trying to think no well, we're a little over time anyway so I guess we can't quote <laughs> every part of the film but yeah definitely recommend and the best way to enjoy it is just just go watch it yourself snuggle yeah. up have some have a cuppa love it's a British film stick the kettle on love have a cuppa get yeah. all cosy or have a hot chocolate but if you have a hot chocolate I'd also recommend Polder Express that's, that's a good just oh, that's yeah. just a me recommends, not a crossover collab recommends. But <laughs> I, I recommend, I, I definitely. I haven't seen that in a while either. And although yes, it enters the uncanny valley in terms of the animation, it's still a great film. Yeah, and I would argue that that aesthetic is memorable and serves the film and all of that. Like all the people who are like, ah, that one kid who's so annoying. You don't you don't think the people who made the film didn't like spend months trying to animate his film to make it as annoying as possible? You you don't right? think that happened in the design phase where they're like, uh, we just went to research and development and we uh, finally found the most annoying face humanely possible. Um, that's sorry, humanly possible. I guess humanely possible if they redeem the annoying kid at the end of the film, which they yeah, do. Right. So exactly. It's no, both exactly. humanly and humanely possible. But yeah, I think it's on purpose. Like obviously they were limited by obviously. the technology of the time, Howard Stark fashion, but um hmm. they uh they did a good job with it. But that's yeah. that's the secret eighth one that I, I shouldn't have mentioned. I was just about to say it. that was like in brackets or parentheses. I should um, have mentioned that one instead of the nightmare before Christmas, you see. Uh, yes. That would have been more on theme. See, look at us. We are so generous that we gave you an extra film. Yeah. Are you happy? 
Merry Christmas to you. Like, that is your greatest you filthy treat. animals. <laughs> no, I need to save that for tomorrow's episode. Exactly. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking around and listening. And again, accepting our obviously objective views of what what the best Christmas films are. Um, go and enjoy, as I'm sure you've probably watched most of these already. Um, and and yeah. let us know what your favourite Christmas films are. What are things you like to cuddle up with your family and watch on a dark and stormy night by the light of the Christmas tree with the hot cocoa pouring down your throat, scathing it so that you can't drink or eat anything else without feeling the slight burn of the heat that once was there. All right, Baboza. Blooming Yeah, I know, right? Blooming yeah. <laughs> chill we're supposed to there needs to be a pirates of the caribbean holiday special and by there needs to be i mean that's a terrible idea now that i've thought about it <laughs> but can you just in fact you know what <laughs> off, like, off the record we should make that one of the uh one of the fables is the like a pirate crew that go on christmas i christmas will adventure. one million they set sail to find santa in fact i'm doing it i'm doing yeah, it i'm gonna you've do got the it on record it. yeah right. it's on record you've, you've, ideal it's on record that that is a story one of the stories we'll be doing in a later one of episode. one of two special stories with a bespoke score yes. edit all this well, out please edit all yeah, this out <laughs> yeah i will i will because like we don't want to hint too much but Just i thinking love that out loud. let's do that okay so this this is the edit thank you And this is paused edit Brandon. He decided not to edit this out because that is exactly what we're doing. Good job, Josh. Good job.